Welcome in everyone to the 37th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. And guess what tonight is, Toby? The night we release this, it is New Year's Eve. Happy New Year. Happy New Year's, everyone. How are you doing, Toby? I'm doing wonderfully. I'm ready to look back on this year of analysis. Mm-hmm. So basically, this episode is probably going to be a lot of me talking, a lot of Toby reacting, because I've gone through every single one of our 36 episodes that we have released this year, starting with the week right before the NFL draft. And I am going through our best and worst takes of the year. <laughs> also, we are going to be recapping the game we've been playing at the end of every episode, Guess That Dynasty Bye. And right now, Toby has guessed 18 times and I have guessed 17 times. So to even that number out, mm-hmm. Toby will be asking me the final one of the year before we will count up some points, reset, and start again for the 2021 year. I'm excited to get into this. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Deep Dive Dynasty. Right now, let's get into our best and worst takes, starting with pre-draft. Episode 1, Rookies to Watch For in the 2020 Draft. How do you think we did in this episode, Toby? I know... You know what? I'm just going to start with the bad. I know that I love Lynn Bowden Jr. That's true. Going into it. I just... I think he taught me the valuable lesson that what I see on tape as flexibility and he could play all these types of positions, he was just absolutely nothing. So I will. He eventually saw the field. We also, in terms of the actual NFL draft, we were shocked when he was drafted in the third round. Oh, I can believe it. Yeah. Then traded for a fifth rounder. So he was a bit weird to watch his rookie season, but these are the players we highlighted. Antonio Gibson, great. Big hit. Zach Moss, considering where people viewed him before the draft, he was mm-hmm. a hit. Josh Kelly, he was considered a nobody. He was absolutely a hit. Lynn Bowden, probably neutral, I would say. It wasn't necessarily a miss. I think it was the amount that I M- maybe wanted him to I don't, Yeah, I don't know inside of your rate. I don't consider it a miss because he was okay. a total shot in the dark. LaVisca Chenault, we talked about. Really curious to see where he went. Ended up being a second rounder early. Mm-hmm. And then Jalen Hurts. Because we knew that if he gets his opportunity, he'd put up fantasy points. And guess what? We were very right about yeah. that. And finally, Jake Fromm, who the biggest story about him this year was that he did some dumb racist shit. So probably the biggest miss of the, miss of the suck, list. Jake Fromm. Overall, I'd say first episode, we killed yeah, I'm it. I'm pretty happy. Episode two. So the NFL draft happens and immediately we pump out our rookie rankings because there's a lot of leaks where you need those rankings quick. This league's doing their fantasy football rookie draft the day after day three ends. So these are some important rankings, Toby. When I was going over it, I was surprised to see that we had Antonio Gibson ranked as our 15th overall player. So in a 12 team, it was our 2.03. That was probably half to a whole round in front of where most people had him. And in hindsight, it was a great job by us. We, We obviously did love Antonio Gibson. Two of our huge misses, we had Justin Herbert ranked as the fourth pick of the third round, and Chase Claypool as one pick later, the fifth pick of the third round. Sorry, Chase. Those were two guys we were not hot on yeah. at all, and in a single quarterback league, you know, we really devalued all of the quarterbacks, which I don't hate the process of, but clearly we were way too low on Herbert, a sixth overall pick. He had a lot of upside, and Chase Claypool was a miss for us. We really didn't like his prospect profile, but he's really surprised us. I think with Claypool, too, I didn't put enough stock into. This is 
a franchise with storied success drafting wide receivers, yes, but it's also it's the team's first draft pick, even if it did mm-hmm. end up being in the second round. They're going to want him to get playing time. Like Obviously, you can have quarterbacks who ride the pine for a while and learn, but if you're the first draft pick of the team and you're a wide receiver, they're going to want to insert you in the offense, and looking back on that, it's, it's silly. You know? here, here is a counterpoint, though. The same thing could be perfectly said about Van Jefferson. He was the first pick by the Rams this year. He was a wide receiver, and they really haven't used him. So it is tough to know. But I do agree that Pittsburgh's killed it. Their scouting department for wide receivers is undeniably amazing at this point. And we probably should have been hotter on his upside because he had a low floor, but he definitely had a high ceiling. Episode four, we skipped one here, but episode four, discussing and ranking the day three wide receivers. So we didn't talk about anyone who was undrafted. We just talked about every single fantasy-relevant player drafted in the fourth to seventh round. And the reason why I wanted to pull this one out is because this episode and the week going ahead to it where we re-looked at all of the tape of these rookies because we missed them. There were some guys that we didn't expect to be drafted than they were. And this was the week where Toby found and identified his love for Darnell Mooney. I told you he'd be good, boys. <laughs> I knew it. I hope that there are some listeners who have taken this advice. I will be on the opposite end of the spectrum. Speaking about him specifically, I thought he was too small. I didn't think it would translate. And he is a huge surprise, even to you, I'm sure, for how relevant he was very early in the offense, immediately took the third wide receiver spot, then pretty quickly overtook Anthony Miller being number two targeted wide receiver on their team. And... Yeah, he's a solid dynasty asset at this point, and you could have definitely picked him up for free after your rookie draft. I never expected him to be just running almost every route in the route tree in that offense at this point Mm -hmm. in time. So, yeah, he's a hit. Totally. Two episodes later, we did a Superflex startup mock draft where we combined together to draft one team and... We had some hits, and we definitely had some misses. Okay, okay. So we started that draft off. We were in the 12th spot. Randomly picked the 12th, so we started our turn, and we went with Dalvin Cook, who fell to the 12th because at that time he was holding out. Great call. Chris Godwin, which we took him over, and this was in a super flex draft. We took him over every quarterback in the league who isn't named Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. So Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson... Russell Wilson, all these guys. In hindsight, terrible pick. The next turn, Aaron Jones and Travis Kelsey, great turn. So really, after the first four, other than our deficiency at quarterback and superflex, we were doing well. But here's a couple other big misses we had. So there was a turn on the 5-6. So like I just said, you know our first four picks. You know where our deficiencies are. We wanted some running backs. And I don't think that was the move. And it especially isn't the move when you take Keyshawn Vaughn and Le'Veon Bell. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's bad. And those are two picks that you can almost just throw straight in the garbage at this yeah. point, which is crazy. And uh, even at the time, I remember we came out of that draft. I was on Twitter. You can find the tweets where I was like, I don't think the Keyshawn Vaughn pick or the Bell pick was that good. But we made them in the moment. 
bad picks, you know yeah. the players you could be getting in the sixth round. There was a lot of good players. We messed that one up for sure, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it really hurt the team. Some of the other picks that were good or bad, for good, we took Brandon Cooks with the 9.12, good value. Tannehill with the 12.01, who, looking back at it, was easily our best quarterback. And Crowder with the 16.1. Nice. Not too shocking for That's me. Big Z pick. But on the other end, we took Drew Locke at the 801, which was too early. Sony Michelle with the 10.01. These players that, looking if you were going to do a mock right now, they're players you'd be taking way later. Yeah. So we did not come out with the best team, despite that core being really solid. Episodes from 7 to 12, right after that mock draft, we went into our rankings. And Toby knows how deep these things are. We've been working on them. We've updated them since then. We're continually... These, yeah, these rankings were months and months mm-hmm. of essentially arguing. Yeah, over pretty much. guys when it would be like... I remember we were getting down to you know the wide receiver 80s and 90s. Totally. It'd be a hot summer day, and we'd have to argue the merit <laughs> of guys who we knew would never actually be impactful. But mm-hmm. we took some time with these, so I'm interested to see. Uh, okay, so some hits and misses. The first episode, so this was seven. We did quarterbacks, then running backs, then wide receivers, then tight ends. At quarterback, I just highlighted some people I thought we really hit on, and some people we really missed on. As I've mentioned before, we were too low on Herbert. We had him at the quarterback 24, and we also had Jalen Hurts at the quarterback 31. Beyond the top two, Burrow and Tua, we were too low on these guys. I yeah. think especially when you're talking about Justin Herbert, who was drafted with the sixth pick, I can see that the perception of Wentz at that time was so different from what it is now, where we never could have predicted as bad of a season as he had, and Jalen Hurts really was drafted to be a high upside backup. Mm-hmm. So those guys being low, I understand it. But Justin Herbert was drafted to be a franchise quarterback for a team. Yeah. And we were too low on him. We missed on him. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor meant the medical situation that happened. Yeah. He launched him into it. But we both knew Tyrod Taylor wasn't the answer. And, he, and, and Herbert was going to get phased in by the end of the year, pretty yeah. much. And whether it happened this year or even if Tyrod started every game this year, we now know that we misvalued his talent. Absolutely. Because he is a very solid, smart, efficient quarterback. Then we went to the positives on the quarterback. I think generally all of our quarterback rankings were pretty solid i didn't think there was any fantastic picks but overall i don't think we did too bad the one i wanted to highlight is we definitely had Tannehill higher than pretty much everyone at quarterback 14 and i think that's about where you'd find him now so i think that was a pretty big hit for us makes sense that we picked him up in that last draft from the episode before now running back the next week we were too low on david montgomery at the rb 27 Ooh, yeah, well, that's too low. There's, there's worse. We got Ronald Jones at the RB37, and that I really do think is a huge miss. Chase Edmonds at the RB57, and Jamal Williams we had all the way down at RB72. And, you know, he's proven himself. I think he's ranked a lot higher at this point. Yeah. Those were the four that I thought we had too low. We were also too high on Todd Gurley, RB20, Bell, RB22. Those are two misses. Those are way too high. So for the first half of this year, both of those two guys were 
great. Okay, especially sure. Bell wasn't great, but Gurley was like the running back four. Yeah, Gurley and, was doing his thing. But when you're looking at these players that you know they don't have three more years left in the league, let's be real, Gurley clearly doesn't. And we knew that this offseason. He was that win now, buy this player, and he'll kill it for you. He didn't even kill it for you for one whole year. He killed it for half of a year. So we definitely overvalued that short-term production. I did think that we really nailed the top-end running back rankings, looking at how I would rank those players now compared to when we did it then. It was very solid, and especially one thing I think is really difficult and a lot of people really struggle with is you can create your rookie rankings, and then you already have how you rank all the veterans. But to integrate those two together is very difficult, and I think we did a fantastic job when it comes to the running backs of taking those guys and you're comparing Akers versus Miles Sanders or whatever. That's just a random couple of guys. But we did a really good job at those top-end running back rankings and particularly with how we integrated those rookie running backs into those startup rankings. So I'm proud of that for sure. On wide receivers, one thing I found and it really surprised me is Number one, we were too low on Diggs, which... I love Diggs. Every, oh, that's why I'm surprised, because everyone was wrong on Diggs, right? Yes. We had him ranked at the wide receiver 18 collectively, but looking into our own notes, I had him at the wide receiver 14, and you had him at the wide receiver 22. What was I doing? Which is, I know we obviously haven't had this podcast for long, so listeners wouldn't notice, but Toby has been like the Diggs guy, and I was not on him very much at all on the vikings we were both too low like 14 is clearly yeah. at this point too low but i was shocked to see that i was dragging his value up while you were that dragging might be down. my worst my worst pick i, I was that, pretty surprised about that that's me like going against my gut and going against my and interestingly so i know you are higher and were higher on josh allen than i was mm -hmm. so i don't see the logic of why you would drag digs down but it's Alan inexplicable. <laughs> I don't know all that Yeah, it's very strange. Ah. I'd say overall, probably besides that, we did a good job again with the top end of the wide receiver rankings. So I'm very happy with that. One thing I wanted to note is throughout the offseason, we definitely warmed up to Justin Jefferson. Like when we mm -hmm. initially put out those <clears throat> rookie rankings, we had Judy still ahead of Jefferson. But this episode, which is only three weeks later, I believe, Jefferson was now our wide receiver two in the class if you looked through the rankings. However, everyone besides CeeDee Lamb, I thought we took that group of wide receivers that we knew had crazy upside. And Justin Jefferson, for example, we had at wide receiver 31, and that's below some players like Parker, Boyd, Hollywood Brown. And when you're ranking rookies against veterans, they do have risk. But Boyd, for example, he hit his ceiling this year, and we know what that ceiling is. Yeah. It's not getting much higher than it was. Parker is older and had a ton of risk to him. Hollywood Brown is in that low-passing offense. I think when I look at the way that I value Justin Jefferson, I am happy with I was right about I liked him a lot. I had him above Judy that a lot of people didn't have. But when I was comparing him to the veterans, like I was just talking with the running backs, I struggled to put him above players that I was more sure in. I should be confident that I can evaluate. I know that Justin Jefferson was great. He was going into an amazing situation with Diggs leaving the Vikings, 
I needed to be more confident in these startup rankings to have Jefferson higher. Totally, especially with, I've been watching Jefferson all year going, why did I not take shots on him in drafts? Because Jefferson's just waltzing into a wide receiver too mm-hmm. with an offense that's going to get on the ball. Yeah, I think next year when we're doing all those rookie drafts, where they are going is so worth analysis. And it's worth banking your risks on because mm-hmm. taking the shot at Justin Jefferson makes so much more sense mm-hmm. in, in hindsight, obviously. Totally. And looking, me and you, next week, we're starting with our rookie analysis. Yeah. And I know just from other people that this is another good wide receiver 21 class, and there's probably going to be players we're going to love. I don't know which ones they're going to be yet, but I need to keep it in my mind. If I see a player and I'm like, this player is fantastic, he just got drafted in the first round to a team with a good situation, don't be shy about how Mm -hmm. you rank this player. Mm -hmm. You got to go for it because you can grab a DK Metcalf, one of these guys, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson. They're now top five wide receivers. Yeah. They're right up there. Tight end next week. First thing off the bat, Evan Ingram, tight end four. Bust. Zach Ertz, tight end five. We were yeah. we were wrong. Yeah. We also both individually had those two at four and five. So we were in unison. Damn Incorrect. <laughs> Bad rankings. And we actually also, this is going on 10 weeks forward, we revisited the tight end rankings and Toby, me and you were talking back and forth about this. I don't actually have this on this list because I don't know if you consider it a poor take or not. I still do. Because 10 weeks into the season, we looked at tight end rankings and I thought, oh, Zachers need to be dropped way down. And I have him at like 17. You still had him, I think it was about eight. So now we're seven weeks later. Poor take. I, I agree. It's got to be poor take, man. I, I didn't think Ertz would have this just cosmic drop-off mm-hmm. that he's had. No, me either. Totally. But I think you were you were pointing towards that when he was actually playing, he was playing poorly. And yeah. I was like, yeah, he'll get over it. Well, you, you just didn't. Mm-hmm. I was I think I was too too steadfast in my belief that he would bounce back to realize that Dallas Goddard up and coming, mm-hmm. the, the quarterback position being what it was, it's poor take. Ertz needed to be dropped down way earlier. I agree. I'm also, like, Ertz will be an incredibly interesting person to watch because he is an expensive contract that they can get out on. His play clearly tells them that they should get out on it. So he's going to go to another team next year. He's still, I believe, 29. So he potentially could have three more solid years in him at his prime. Depending on the situation, there could be hype for him again. I would not be surprised. And I'm also interested to see, was he injured this year? What's really going on? But overall, yes, tight end five. Clearly too high, but I'm still very curious to see what will happen with Zacherts going forward. I think he's going to go somewhere to a big, splashy contract. I remember I was shocked, I think, twice about the contracts that Jimmy Graham received, and I think Uh, Zacherts is a very similar guy. Before Kelsey and Kittle got their big contracts last last offseason, they got it near the end of the offseason. The number one highest paid tight end in NFL history was... Tyler Higby. No, it was... Austin Hooper, who oh, got that Hooper. contract to the yeah, brand. Yeah, yeah. And you look at that and you're like, Hertz would probably command a lot of money. Yeah. He just had he one down year. So right. we'll see. It's very interesting to, to see what will happen there. Continuing with the tight ends, we were lower on the consensus than two players. One, Tyler Higby. Hooray, we did it. Good job, Austin. Two, Darren Waller. 
<laughs> which I, I do think is one of our worst takes of the offseason. However, the next episode is called Overvalued Players, and we'll talk about him more in a second. By the end of the offseason, we weren't interested in Gronk at all, and we often actually mocked taking him in some of our <laughs> mock drafts. So that was a bad take because he was usable this year, and we really didn't think so. And another thing I wanted to note that just in hindsight, and we didn't talk about him in any of these episodes, but it's true because we should have. There was a lot of reports out of camp that Robert Tunyon was way outproducing Jay Sternberger. We didn't have Sternberger super high, but I quite liked him. And there's got to be a point, even when it's Robert Tunyon, it's a guy you've never heard of. If everyone at camp is saying, wow, Tunyon is clearly the tight end one. You got to believe it that yeah. you have to lower Sternberger in your rankings because Tunyon clearly has overtaken him. Tunyon's been great. Never even given him a passing thought. Totally. So the next week, we go to overvalued players. Oh, I don't want to talk about this. Let's start off with Darren Waller because we just talked about him. We had Darren Waller, and one of the quotes we said was, the reason why Darren Waller had so many targets last year, talking about the 2019 season, was all of their wide receivers were hurt. They didn't have a lot of good ones to begin with. And they basically were passing to Darren Waller because they had no better options. This year, with Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs and Aguilar, etc., we thought that that target share would come down significantly because Carr has better options to pass to. Stupid take in hindsight. Darren, Darren Waller, Waller broke some of the more impressive tight end records I've seen. And also... If you go and look at him on 2019, I think that was the type of take where we were ignoring the tape we were seeing because we were trying to play it off of like, okay, well, this guy came out of nowhere and his situation was perfect. So those two things tell me that I need to be hesitant to put him in my top five, for example. But when you watch a player like Robert Tunyon now, and you think, damn, this guy's good. Yeah. And Darren Waller, even more so than Tunyon, you're like, Holy, this Darren Waller is an incredible player. He is. He, you can't have him outside of your top five tight ends anymore, and we were stupid to do so. Yeah, it's a, it's a mess. Totally. I even remember in a, in a redraft league when he was falling to me and being like, oh, I don't want to do it. Then waiting a full other round being like, oh, I'm just going to do it, and this is a bad decision. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm going to regret this. And obviously, yeah, like we, we don't have him in Dynasty, and I don't think... Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity now because he's, he's too valuable, and I wish I valued him higher. Totally. Before we get into the players that we called right in that episode, I'll say the other player we had included in our overvalued players and were wrong about was Josh Allen, and I definitely was at the head of the charge because of the risk that I saw in Josh Allen. Honestly, in terms of process, I don't think my process was that bad, and I hope this isn't just me being stubborn. Because Josh Allen, statistically, in terms of how accurate he is as a passer, has just shown between the 2019 and the 2020 season the best, most significant amount of improvement that we've ever seen out of a quarterback. So the reason why I was <laughs> scared of him was because he wasn't that accurate. And if this season wasn't incredibly successful for the Bills, he probably wouldn't be getting that mega contract. Well, guess what? He improved like crazy. He blew me away with how good he was this season. Toby, you were definitely hotter on Josh Allen than I was. We'll talk a little bit more of that later. You did highlight him in some positive ways later on. Josh Allen, 
I was wrong about you. I'm impressed in the way that you have improved this season. You've really impressed me. And I was wrong to call you overvalued for sure. <laughs> the other players we said that I thought we did pretty well on, Odell Beckham Jr., other than one or two great plays, he really his value has gone down since that time. Jimmy Garoppolo, even when he was playing, wasn't that good. And the Super Bowl appearance really did inflate his value at that time. Nikhil Harry, you're bad. David Njoku, his value at that time was inflated because he had asked for a trade. And his value is lower now, so I think it was a good call. I'm still okay with picking him up now because he's going to be on a different team. But it's definitely for cheaper now than you would have got him then, so I still think it was a good call. Yeah. Episode 14, as well as episode 5 and another one even in this season, we evaluated community dynasty trades. And honestly, overall, I looked back through so many of these. We killed our recommendations. I'm really happy that we were able to help you guys out. You're welcome. There was even a couple. So what I was doing was going through the descriptions that I wrote, seeing what the trades were and then going, oh, that was one that I was probably thinking the wrong way. And there was a couple times I was like, okay, I want to hear what we said. And I went to it and I was like, oh no, we killed it. Good job. <laughs> we're, we're trade artists. So yeah, I'm very happy. If uh, I really hope that we did help you guys make some of those trades that helped you in the long run because there was definitely a lot of value to be had in trading in this off season. Episode 15, we did a head-to-head dynasty startup and Contrary to the startup we did together early on, I think we both picked very solid teams, especially with the early picks. These are the first six rounds. On my team, I drafted CMC. Still happy with it. I don't care that he was hurt. Injuries happen. So I would say CMC, good pick. Kelsey, good pick. Jonathan Taylor, good pick. Cam Akers, good pick. Debo Samuel, fine pick. Kareem Hunt, good pick. Six rounds, I think I solid across the board. Toby went Zeke. Bad pick, but I get it. But this is easily the worst pick of the 12. But still, I don't fault you for it. And I still think that Zeke is at his low point now and will probably be very solid Mm -hmm. with Dak back next year. Derrick Henry, great pick. Eckler, good pick. McLaurin, good pick. Montgomery, good pick. Carson, good pick. So really, out of 12 picks, Maybe Ezekiel Elliott was the worst. Solid draft overall. And I think if this really was a league where we were doing a startup, those two teams are in the playoffs and doing quite well. 100%. Episode 19, we said our dynasty lotto ticket. So these were relatively cheap players that have explosive upside. We went through three people each, and I think we hit on four of the six. When you're talking lottery tickets, that's a pretty good rate. (laughs) We hit on Will Fuller. He has a lot of upside. I know he got suspended, but he still definitely increased his dynasty value. Chase Edmonds became a very solid player this Mm -hmm. season and going forward has a lot of upside right now as we see how the running back room fills out for next season. Got Jameson Crowder. Obviously, I was on him all year. And Jalen Hurts, we talked about him as a lotto ticket because if he ever got that shot, he would produce for fantasy. And he sure has. And we were right about oh, that. He's, he's got a nice starting job. Episode 20 was our ultimate mock draft episode where we did a redraft 12 team, I believe it was 10 round draft where 
we basically wanted to do an entire draft so that every one of you could see how we value players if you are going for the win in 2020. That's what looking at redraft does for you in Dynasty. One that I wanted to highlight because I'm sure I talked about this take earlier, it was definitely in my mind. In terms of winning for this year, one player, I took him at 3.07, which was too high for this very bad pick. I was quite into Mark Ingram in the 2020 season. I knew he didn't have value beyond that, but I still really liked him for a one-year shot coming off of his Pro Bowl season, and even more so than Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins being better than I thought, because honestly, Gus Edwards probably did a bit better than I would have expected, but J.K. Dobbins did exactly what I expected him to in 2020. But what really shocked me is Ingram's play fell off a cliff this offseason. He did not look like 2019. He looked terrible all year, and I think he's probably out of the league in one or two years, and he's just a backup at best now. So, Miss called him. Obviously, a running back can just hit that cliff at some point, and Mark Ingram hit it. He looked atrocious this season. My bad. We also ended that season on a big debate on tight ends where oh dear. <laughs> I called out five or six tight ends that I thought Toby definitely should have taken instead of someone that he was really hot on, and that was Hayden Hurst. Toby. Hayden Hurst, you know what, man? He excited me so much week one watching You're, him. You were not alone. I, was, sure. I watched him in that week one performance. I was like, man, I'm going to bask in fantasy glory. And he's now the tight end 14. Mm-hmm. And when I look at Hayden Hurst, it's not terrible, but he's just in that group. He doesn't excite me long term. I don't. Like fine. I don't think his situation will ever be better than it just was this year with Julio hurt for so much of the year. He was clearly the tight end one. They were passing a lot. Defense was bad. I just think that he's a okay tight end two yeah. for his career, and that's really all it is. And I think I agree with you saying that his situation will probably never be better. And that's what concerns me, because he totally. finished tight end 14, and that's not what I envisioned for his season. For sure. Then, a big one to look at, because this is how... These were the takes that we were the most confident in. These were our my guys for oh, this season. Geez. So this is right before the season started. Let's go through our my guys. We both took one quarterback, we both took one tight end, we both took one running back, and we both took one wide receiver. I can't remember any of these. I'm very excited for <laughs> Uh, that's funny you can't remember any. Okay, well, let's let's play with you not remembering. Who do you think was my quarterback of 2020? Tannehill. No, but that's a good one. It was actually Jared Goff. And, uh... yeah, it, he did not pay off. Part of the reason I really loved him in redraft was because he had an incredible first few matchups. And week one, he was very bad. And so I moved on. And then week two, he was great just like I had initially projected, but it didn't help when he was so bad in week one that I was already pivoting to, I think it was Ryan Tannehill, because you know I was in on him. So I don't think Goff was a great pick for me, but he's in the top 15 quarterbacks, and that's about where you drafted him. So it was really just an upside shot that didn't hit. Who do you think was your quarterback? I know I was hot on Josh Allen, but I don't think hot enough to make him my mind guy. It was Josh Allen. Good job. Let's go! <laughs> yeah, I obviously I, hit on it. Makes sense. He was someone as well. I know we both really liked him for redraft, but I was way more concerned about his dynasty value. You were confident in both, and he proved you right. He was great. Good job, great my guy. Wide receiver. Who do you think mine was? 
Jameson Crowder. Yeah, it was pretty easy. Jameson Crowder. That's a big hit. I think it was a big hit. If he wasn't injured this year, he was great. Also, the production he had with Flacco was very different from Darnold. When Darnold was in, he was a great wide receiver too. Mm-hmm. Flacco didn't target him that much. And he also had big plays. Like mm-hmm. he, he can break loose. Apparently he can also throw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I'm very happy with that Crowder pick. He definitely helped out some of my rosters. Who do you think was your wide receiver? Honestly, this totally shocked me. I don't remember you being hot on this guy at all, but maybe you do. Um, Cooper Cup? It is Cooper Cup. Yeah. I, I don't remember you being in on Cooper Cup, but very hey. Very excited about Cooper Cup. So I drafted Cooper Cup in, a, in especially my main redraft league, and I had him all year. He actually ended up being on my one team that did win a championship, but I would say I'm disappointed by Cooper Cup this year. He didn't give me the my guy performance that I would want, no. Mm-hmm. I'd take maybe 0.1 because like he didn't bust. Yeah, he, he, was, it was, he wasn't fine, terrible. He was serviceable, mm-hmm. but there were other guys of that caliber you could have got as draft. Totally. Price. So yeah. that's why. Yeah, you, like, you could have taken a digs instead. He didn't give me a my guy. Okay. Yeah, I want my my guy to absolutely pop off. Yeah, so and, I would say I'm one out of two. And same with me. I got Crowder, but not Goff. How about running back? Can you think of who I might have back, My guy. I don't think it would be Gibson, because I think Geis was still on the team at the time. I can't remember. I'll stop you there. He was gone, and it was Gibson. It was he Gibson. Was mine. Okay. Yeah. And I'm happy with it. Definitely felt like that was a solid pick. Absolutely. I knew it might take a bit, but... He was useful, and especially at the end of the year before he got hurt, he really started to come on. Yep. I love me some Antonio Gibson. How about yourself? Did I J.K. Dobbins? No, it was a rookie, though. It was Moss, who you definitely did like. Moss. Thanks eh, for nothing, Moss. Was, wasn't it? Like, he was, yeah. he was fine. He did what I expected, and that he would go immediately get goal line work, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I wanted. And with the Bills being so good, I'm shocked that he ended up being this poor to yeah. what my expectations were. Basically, that team did not rush a lot of touchdowns. Because it's not like Singledary was taking them away. And I still believe in Moss. I think he has shown some promise. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's just not a guy that I would want mm-hmm. right now. In redraft, where you were taking him, he didn't provide the upside you no. would have wanted at all. No. Tight end, I took Hunter Henry, who I feel totally fine about he definitely wasn't a bad pick late and yeah he's fine but i don't know if he was a hit or not he's right on that line and then you took Hurst. should be no i didn't take Hurst. i knew you were between these two even at the time i remember it because you had two guys you loved was it Hurst or was it evan ingram oh and i know you <laughs> loved your evan ingram and yeah the difference between where you would have drafted hunter henry or Hurst, and where you drafted evan ingram he definitely did not hit uh, makes me sad, and he actually yeah. is up there. I believe he's in the top ten for tight ends, but yeah, he is. At no he, point were you no. very happy that you drafted Evan Ingram. The sheer number of targets he's getting, mm-hmm. he should be catching more footballs. That's true. It's shocking. We also in that episode talked about one player who was an anti my guy, someone that we both would not touch with a ten foot pole. You will never guess the player that you picked. It oh, shocked really? me. I took unsurprisingly ronald jones totally aligns with how i viewed him at the time Mm -hmm. i wanted fournette and i didn't want ronald jones ronald jones definitely outplayed fournette this year i still think that people seem to overvalue how helpful he was in fantasy this year but watching the games he was their best running back for sure toby and i know this is in redraft i remember that you were talking about this player is good long term but i do not want him 
in 2020, you picked DeAndre Swift. Okay. <laughs> that seems to not align with your views, because I know you like DeAndre Swift a lot. But yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. And I think I could understand the logic a bit. I know it was after AP showed up. And... He sure did vulture a number of touchdowns. Yeah, he did. Totally. He made a difference. Probably not a good wooden touch with a 10-foot pole guy. Because... Yeah, he wasn't like... Neither of us hit on this pick. They weren't terrible players, but Swift was someone who in the first half of the season you didn't want, and then eventually he finally came on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, we didn't hit on these picks either. So it's also I think really weird because the one team I won a championship with has Swift on the roster. Mm-hmm. So uh, I traded him to you because I was <laughs> drafting him, and then I traded him for Antonio Gibson, who you drafted. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I would say we both hit for about 50% on our my yeah, guys, I would okay, say. Okay. So now we're talking in-season, and I didn't go that deep into our season because, you know, two weeks ago, some take we had about the long-term dynasty outlook. Nothing's changed really since then for yeah. a lot of these guys. So first, in the episode after just a couple weeks, we talked about quarterbacks who leveled up in 2020. And we talked, I believe, about eight different guys and... Six of the eight, we were very right about. We had Josh Allen, we had Kyler Murray, we talked about Russell Wilson and that they finally let him cook, which only lasted for half a year, but still was true. They were all killing it. But then we have two players that, in hindsight, were very incorrect that they had leveled up in 2020. One was Cameron Newton, who did have a good first few weeks and then (laughs) fell off a cliff. If any of you want to watch how good Cam Newton is, just go watch his performance against the Bills. Last Monday night, bad. Where he still is Cam Newton and has the ability to shake off tacklers you were sure could tackle him, and that is it. He can't throw. He cannot throw. Mm -hmm. And then the second one, Toby, was a player that was not able to hold on to his starting role for this year. Wentz. No, it is it's Gardner Minshew. Oh yeah. Which honestly, looking back, he didn't have that good of a first few weeks, so I'm a bit surprised he even was a part of this episode. He did have the big road win against the Colts, which mm-hmm. seemed shocking at the time. Totally. Actually, it's their only it's win. way more shocking now. It, it, it was week one. It was their only win. Yeah. Um, Crazy that they won week one, and then now, <laughs> now they have the first overall pick locked up. Yeah. But yeah, uh, those were definitely the two we were wrong about. Next, a few weeks later, we talked about emerging fantasy football superstars. This was after week five, and the players that we picked were all in my opinion, correct, that they were emerging superstars, besides one. And the one was Jonu Smith, which, again, we'll talk about a little bit later as we break down our Dynasty Buys of the Week. Yeah, screw you, Jonu. <laughs> but everyone else, this is the list of players we talked about. Josh Allen, emerging superstar, absolutely. DK Metcalf, absolutely. CeeDee Lamb, absolutely. Jefferson, absolutely. And interestingly, with those last two, CeeDee Lamb and Jefferson, This sticks out in my mind, of course, because I'm getting in arguments on Twitter. So those arguments are sticking in my mind for sure. We named them both as top 12 dynasty wide receivers at that point, five weeks in. And the heat I was getting on Twitter about having Justin Jefferson as a top 12 dynasty wide receiver already, we were called so reactionary and that we were not, you know, making intelligent dynasty decisions. Get out of my face. Yeah, step off, bro. (laughs) Sometimes 
when you have a prospect and you loved him and then he goes to a great spot and then he is being graded as one of the top wide receivers in the league and he is scoring a ton of fantasy points and all of this is happening in his rookie season, you can't be slow to react because if you didn't get Jefferson around week five and at that point you would have had to pay up, absolutely. But if you're waiting till now, go try and get Justin Jefferson. He is impossible to get because everyone basically agrees that he is a top five, top ten wide receiver. I don't think anyone would leave him off of that list at this point. He's a very good wide receiver. Pro Bowl wide receiver, rookie year. Totally. Yeah. And he's going to have 1,400 receiving yards potentially. Just a nuts number for a wide receiver. On episode 27, so 10 episodes ago, we talked about championship winning by low players. These were players that you could get for cheap in Dynasty, and we were specifically looking at how they could perform for you over your Dynasty playoff weeks. We had some hits and we had some misses. <laughs> Number one, I would say, is a player that just helped me win my one championship. David Johnson came back from injury, had amazing matchups, and we watched him produce in week 15 and 16 he was great and i think was the number three running back in week 16 definitely helping alongside kamara me win my one championship we also identified jared cook who at that time we knew he would eventually get breeze back and he would go back to being what he had been with breeze for the last couple years which was a high likelihood of touchdowns and we didn't even know at that time that michael thomas would be gone and also because of Taysom Hill starting at the time and that he had not been producing, he was for free. You could grab him off of waiver wires in redraft, and there was no way you would have had to pay up for Jared Cook. If you were in need of a tight end, he has done not bad at all in the fantasy playoffs. The only issue is he actually didn't get a touchdown, which is just unlucky, but it's tight ends. He was getting 60 to 90 yards a game. You cannot be upset with Jared Cook in your playoffs. And then our other hit was Tom Brady. We knew he was going to blow up, and if he had played the whole game last week, he sure would have blown up. (laughs) We also, though, named a few players that would not have helped you. We said Julio and Mostert, who both dealt with injuries, so that just sucks. It's injuries. What are you going to do? The one player that wasn't injured and we were wrong about, though, was James Conner, who you were not happy you were starting. He had one decent game, but... I think it was week 15 or 16. One of those two games was solid. 16. In week 15, he was out, and a group of games before that, he was bad. James Conner, man. He... Yeah, not great. Maybe if you were in a pinch, you put him in your lineup in week 16, and he ended up doing not bad at all for you. Yeah, I think he pulled up 16.7. Something like that. Yeah, wasn't our best call, that's for sure. Episode 28, the last one we'll be talking about, because after that, we really get into talking about deep stashes for the offseason, etc. We talked about trade targets for the tanking teams. So these are players that you could target at that time who we thought you need to go get them now before your trade deadline because Mm -hmm. even in the period between then and the end of the season, their value could go way up. And some of those didn't happen, but I still think if you're a tanking team, they weren't bad picks like Adam Troutman, or Quintus Cephas, we talked about Sam Darnold. These are just players that was like, it makes sense. They didn't blow up for you, but they definitely weren't bad people to target at the time, and I would still be happy to have them as a tanking team. However, two players that we 
pointed out have had their value increase significantly. Irv Smith is one who I think that was the perfect time to buy him. Since then, he has really shown out because Kyle Rudolph has been absent yeah. and he has been a very solid tight end. And then the number one pick that was a great call here was Cam Akers because this was before he started to get onto the field and he was playing as their number three at this point. Now he's playing clearly as their number one, although he's injured right now. So those two I'm very happy about because there was the perfect time to buy them at their lowest. If you were to have bought Cam Akers then, you're laughing at whatever trade you made at this point. You would be so happy that you have, you know, given away a James Conner to a team that yeah. thought, hey, I'm, I'm going to need this guy for my playoff run. And they gave up Cam Akers, who would have helped them a lot more. That's it, though. That's us running through all of those players. Next up, we're going to talk about how we did in our Dynasty Target of the Week. But really, we have to complete our 2020 series of our Dynasty Targets of the Week. So Toby's going to do that now. He will be giving me a series of five hints, progressively making it easier for me to guess who his Dynasty Target of the Week is. And I'm going to be making a guess after each one of those hints. Get ready. I am ready. I'm a first-round draft pick okay. from San Diego State University. <laughs> so the college really doesn't help me. Can't think of someone that's from there. I binge all of my rookie scouting, and one of the things I never seem to remember is what school did players come from? I don't think it's important. Uh, I, so. I just don't really care that much. First round pick, though, this is a very good player. I don't know how long ago. Like Obviously, I, he could be talking about like Matt Stafford right now, or he could be talking about someone that was picked in the 2020 draft. So there's a huge range. going to just take someone that was a first rounder. This will just be a total shot in the dark. I'm going to guess... I guess Jared Goff. I can't think of what school he went to, and he was a first overall pick. Jared Goff, listen, I'm worried his finger might never heal, so sorry, not my dynasty buy. <laughs> Hit number two. My draft year was 2018, okay. and I'm the 139th best running back overall this year. So a running back that is not doing well. <laughs> oh, not just doing <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I definitely have a name that is popping out in my mind but okay so this is the Lamar Jackson year obviously that was also the Hayden Hurst year in that first round a running back that was drafted in the first round so it's the year before Jacobs was a first rounder I think it is Sony Michelle it's a good guess but it's not <sighs> Sony Michelle third clip last year in weeks 12 and 13 I scored 19 and then 26 points respectively but then week 14 I was terribly injured and needed season-ending surgery. Rashad Penny. You are correct. Rashad Penny, that's the guy week four was going to be. It's about the crowded running back room and mm -hmm. how current RB1 is going to be an undrafted free agent. Here's why I like Rashad Penny. Chris Carson, I don't reject him being with the team. DJ Dallas, he's much more splashy, much more exciting. Definitely worth more than Rashad Penny, I believe, at this mm -hmm. point in time. Carlos Hyde, absolute wild card. I think Penny's going to be better than Hyde. He's also a heck of a lot younger. I understand that it's small sample size, but after the bye week last year, they gave Penny the reins. Penny was playing unbelievably well. Only two-game stretch, but they seem to fully let loose. Pete Carroll said, you know, Pete Carroll. You know, it doesn't matter what Pete Carroll says, but <laughs> Pete Carroll was very happy with him. Seattle was very happy with him. 
then he gets the injury. I believe it was a torn ACL. So he just came back in last week, and they said, we are going to manage his snaps, and boy, mm-hmm. did they ever. The Seahawks played 63 offensive snaps. He was in for four of them, which explains why he only got 0.9. He was in for four snaps only for that week 16, and he was in for 10% of snaps during week 15. So they're just getting a back on mm-hmm. the field, making sure he's all right. Do I know if Penny's going to be an absolute hit, diamond in the rough? No. But I guarantee you, he has a much higher percentage chance at actually being a relevant RB1 in the future for what he's currently valued at by dynasty owners. Right now, he's come back and put up 0.6 and 0.9. There's a chance dynasty owners are not projecting that, oh, he's just getting phased back in, and he has a chance to actually lead this locker room coming into next season. Mm-hmm. So. I think Penny's worth taking that by right now while he's worth practically nothing. Yeah, I think it makes sense to go for it right now when he has been healthy but not really playing and clearly playing behind Carlos Hyde because Carson is a free agent and Hyde is a free agent. So that potential could hit this upcoming season, but obviously right now, Carson is clearly the guy, and I don't think it's really on people's radar yet that Carson could be leaving to another team. Also, with any player that is on a team that's still in the playoffs, stuff can change and their value can change quickly. So the reason why I agree to get on the buying train now rather than in a few weeks is because Chris Carson could get hurt or something could happen where your window will close because Penny will be forced onto the field. So right now, I don't expect that it will be much lower going forward. So I do agree that right now it makes sense to buy. He's definitely cheap. I like it. Super cheap. So that now is the 18th player I have guessed. And it makes sense because we're on episode 37 and there was the one pick where you were not here and my dynasty buy was logan thomas because i was doing the washington football team yep so just in terms of points the shot in the dark first guess i've gotten that right twice you have only once second guess three for me four for you haha third guess now i've just added it because i just got one on third guess i'm beating you six to five fourth guess six to three in my favor fifth guess one to four Mm. and never got the player at all zero Which to one i can see is labeled as choked, choked in the yeah. Table. <laughs> yeah if you don't get one it's a choke and uh, one time this year it has happened and so we tallied up the points i got 50 make that sorry 53 and toby got 36 so it's Damn. a decisive, decisive win i would say congratulations deserved win and yeah, we're going to start again now. That was 2020. We're going to do it again for the whole year. Now 52 it, yeah. weeks. We're each going to have 26. And I'm not going to joke. Oh, no. It's not going to happen. No. We, we need to shame anytime you can't get <laughs> Especially because we are going to make the fifth clue pretty easy. Like, if you don't get it, it's a joke. Yeah, it was. It's all good. But I did want to highlight, because of course, this is an advice segment that we do give to you every week. And... These are the players that we suggested as Dynasty buys. Let's run through them quickly. Week one, first episode, I say Crowder. No surprise. I like it. Well, Next one, again, I say DJ Chark. I don't think that was a good one now. His value is probably lower this offseason than it was last, although Trevor Lawrence could change that quickly. Chris Carson was week three, and I think it was a good 
person to target because he did better than people expected this year. He was yeah. a very solid asset. Next was Christian Kirk. I would say neutral. Nothing special. Week five was Toby's first one giving the hints, and he gave me Brandon Cooks. I like it. Week six, I gave you Russell Gage. It's fine. He had an okay year. He, yeah, was, he was basically right. free. Then I gave you Keenan Allen, who I'm very happy with this year. I think yeah, he killed Keenan it. Was great. Also, Keenan Allen was the one time you guessed it first. Then Toby says Van Jefferson, and I think this was possibly the worst time to buy him this year. So yeah, that was bad. That, that was that a bust bad. there. But then you followed up with David Montgomery. Great pick. That's a, that was a definitely mm-hmm. a good one. Boston Scott next week. Eh, I didn't have a great year. It was not the best. Yeah. He was, of course, he's anytime you're missing on a player that you can essentially get for free, it's no big yeah. deal. Then I say Kendrick Bourne, same thing. Didn't hit, but you weren't paying a lot for Kendrick Bourne. Toby hits me with Jordan Howard. That's a bust. Holy moly. I hit you with Debo Samuel. He had a down year, but I, I feel kind of neutral on him. He's probably valued about the same as he was then. Then this week, I found it very funny going back in these because Toby hit me with David Montgomery. And if you remember, <laughs> that had just happened a few weeks ago. And when I was guessing, I thought to myself out loud, I think it might be David Montgomery, but I don't think Toby would give him to me twice. And I think he already asked me. You know. And Toby says, nope, I haven't given you. <laughs> but he's a big liar. Yeah, I'm trying to play mind game. Yeah. I'm trying to compete. And then, stupidly. I do the exact same <laughs> thing the next week, and I go back to DJ Chark. So I guess we were a couple of dummies. At least I doubled down on the player that, like, pans out. <laughs> yeah, sure. I then, episode number 16, I said Kenyon Drake. He was okay. Not my favorite pick, but uh, he definitely produced at points this year. Then was the week that Toby was not here. I said Logan Thomas, and in my opinion, that is one of my best calls of the year. Very happy with yeah, a total no-name who produced all that's year. That's unbelievable, because I remember listening to that episode and being like, I don't really know who Logan Thomas is at all. I need to do some more research, and he's been unbelievably right. I streamed <laughs> him championship weekend. Yeah, very true. Jarvis Landry was your next one. Fine pick, not bad at all. Josh Kelly was my next one. This was the one that Toby missed outright. Sorry, Josh. Then Toby gave me the infamous Gamecocks clue, where I guessed Hayden Hurst on the first guess. That's nuts. Steven Sims, you guessed on the second clue. Very impressive. Then again, the second clue, you guessed Quintez Cephas. And then in episode 23, one that I definitely think needs to be highlighted, Toby's Dynasty Buy of the Week after week two of the NFL season was James Robinson. And I, in response, was very hesitant to agree because I was still scared that someone like Raquel Armstead was going to come back and take the role from him. You were right, and I sure hope that some listeners took this advice and bought him because even though he was good for those first two weeks, there was a lot of people like me that would have sold because they weren't confident that he was going to continue that pace. It was absolutely a great call. I'm very happy one of us made that call this season because clearly he was the biggest riser of any player in the NFL this year. He was unbelievable. Makes up for my Hayden Hurst buy. <laughs> Cancel those. More so than makes up for your Hayden Hurst buy. So that was after week two. Then Toby falls it up. With a, with a poor one. Oh, man. And, I go from James yeah, Robinson. To Johnny Smith. And Toby talked about the fact that even though at this time, after three weeks, Johnny Smith was the number one tight end of the year, 
that he was going to continue that pace and he is an absolute bona fide stud and that you need to pay up because he is worth it and nope. his value nope, is a nope, lot nope, lower nope, now. Nope, nope. I still like Johnny Smith going forward, but the time to buy him was definitely was, not when he was the tight end one. It was the exact time to sell. Uh-huh. It really was. Kareem Hunt was your next one, and that was a solid buy, I think. He was really producing, and he had proven that even when Chubb is on the field, he can produce. Yep. This is the next one was mine, and it was one that I was definitely wrong about. Andy Dalton. This was the week after Dak had gotten hurt. So this was before Andy Dalton had played a single game this year. And I was hot on Andy Dalton because I thought that he was going to step in and produce right away. And I called him a top 12 quarterback for the rest of the season. He has been okay as a streamer. Obviously this past week he did quite well, but I was definitely wrong on the price I would have paid for Andy Dalton. And we did pay that price in Dynasty in a league that we co-manage, and we definitely overpaid for Andy Dalton. Antonio Brown was then my next week, and uh, I did call this before there was really any news about him, so you would have gotten him incredibly cheap. However, he didn't really produce once he got back on the team. I don't think anyone who paid up for Antonio Brown was super happy about it. This one was really about timing, though, because if yeah. you had picked him up this week, you still probably got pretty good value. We returned to Christian Kirk for some reason for the third time <laughs> this in this week of the Dynasty Buy of the Week, and uh, I will give you more credit on this one because this is before he had the few weeks that he really started to blow up. So ideally, you did buy Christian Kirk at this point sure. and then sold him four weeks later. But it's kind of been the roller coaster where now his value is the same as it was then. Absolutely. But there yeah. definitely was a peak where everyone was like, oh, wow, okay, now he's going to really start producing, and this offense is unstoppable. Next, you said J.K. Dobbins was a buy of the week, and well done. That was before he really took on a larger role. I then said Corey Davis, and despite, his, call. despite his goose egg, great call. Then you said Miles Gaskin. He's continued to produce. Great call. He did get injured, but doesn't matter though. He's yeah. what? He got thirty-five points in the yeah, he was, championship he was, week. He's the running back he's two running. behind Kamara. He definitely was a good buy at the time. Then I gave you Jonathan Taylor when he was at his floor. Very mm -hmm, happy mm -hmm. about it. Toby gives me Gabriel Davis. Totally fine pickup. I then gave you Noah Fant, still feel the same about that. You gave me Tom Brady, he produced in the playoffs, so good job. I gave you Carson Wentz last week, and I still stick by that take that his value right now is lower than it will be when he's on a new team. And then you give me Rashad Penny today. That is our yearly recap. This We've gone through all the weeks of Dynasty Targets. We've gone through all of our hottest and coldest takes. It's been really fun going through all this, and it's been really fun doing this podcast with you, Toby. Likewise, get ready for a hectic offseason. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Next week, I have not figured out the schedule of how many. It's going to be a slow process of prospect highlights. We're going to dive into a player and then individually give you our take on how we think they will be leading up to this NFL draft. I'm very excited about it. Thanks for being here, everyone. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, team. Have a good one.